How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Locked On Chiefs Podcast. This is Wednesday's podcast for September 14th. It is brought to you today by MyBookie.net. I want to encourage you all to go check out Matt Williamson's podcast, Locked On NFL. He does a great job talking about the different teams in the NFL and about the league in general. And also go take a look at Vinny Iyer's podcast, Locked On Fantasy Football. He does a fantastic job of giving you different matchups uh, to be looking for. We have a ton to talk about today. And now that it's this point in the week and we've seen the All-22 film, uh, we've looked over it a little bit ourselves, and we have Seth Kaiser coming on, (laughs) who's going to give us a few unique takes on some of these things, and we'll get right to him. (laughs) Oh, yeah? (laughs) Right? You know, you betcha. Don't you, don't you know? Come on, man. I can't help it that I talk like that. Oh, my God. Oh. It's all right. Hey, in case you all didn't realize, we're talking with Seth Kaiser from Arrowhead Pride. Welcome back, Seth. Well, thank you for having me. I'm guessing you didn't predict the way that game one was going to go. You know, I actually uh, wrote down in my journal that I anticipated the Chiefs would look completely terrible, then somehow miraculously pull off a ridiculous comeback. No, I absolutely <laughs> didn't see that coming. That was that was ridiculous. I have never been so mad during a football game as I was during that first half. I almost chucked my laptop. Oh, but it was such. I mean, it was such a. And great that's your lifeline, right? You don't watch live, right? Right. That's my lifeline. That's the only reason I... Well, plus, it's it's a work-provided laptop, so it's technically not mine. <laughs> so, no, that that game was crazy. I mean, it, it was just ridiculous. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I still don't have a great answer for what they did in that game. I uh, You look at what ended up happening, and it's just like, how did that happen? I yeah. mean, it's almost the reversal of the Indianapolis game a couple of years ago. You know what? In a in a lot of ways, yeah. I mean, it just it, it wasn't just like the offense suddenly turned around. The defense couldn't stop anything in the first half. It was it was just the craziest thing. I I've never seen a team go from looking so completely overmatched to looking so much better than the opponent. I just I, I've heard that some Chargers fans are calling for the coach's head, and I honestly can't blame them. That was so bad. But awesome. <laughs> well, you know, you spelled out exactly what I was thinking at one point. How can you look at Alex Smith and be so completely convinced of every argument against him that you've ever seen on Twitter or anywhere else and then tune in 30 minutes later and have the complete opposite effect? Right. I I, I did tweet something like that where it was just, you know, how do you write about a game where every single negative narrative about Alex Smith is confirmed? I mean, I was watching the first half, and I was trying to figure out, how do I write an article saying, you know what, 
maybe if Alex Smith plays like that another game or two, it's time to see what Nick Foles can do. How do I write that without the website just exploding <laughs> all over everyone? And then well, but Joel would be happy with that. I oh, mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it would, it would be great. They'd shut down the servers at Super Bowl Nation. It would be amazing. <laughs> but And then, I mean, the second half, I, I just got done rewatching it on All-22 for the weekly Alex Smith film review. And it, the for starting in the late third quarter, he played the best football I've ever seen him play, and that includes the first half against the Colts in that playoff game. He was just ridiculous. Well, that's something that I I know that I've seen you say on Twitter and and that you know we've talked about is that you keep saying that's the best I've seen him play. I know you've said that at least three times <laughs> this year. No, and I'm not trying to make a joke of it. I'm serious. I mean, it, you talk about preseason. Yeah, it's preseason, but he's played a lot better than we've ever seen him play to this point. And that's that's absolutely true. I I don't know what's gotten into him. I don't. At this point, considering how well Smith played in the preseason, it's almost, I mean, to me, it's tough not to feel like the first half against San Diego was the aberration more so than the second half. Now, I there's there's just no way he can play like that every week. There's just no way, the way he did in that second half. I no, mean, wait that, a second. You're saying he can't throw for 5,800 yards? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he, he might. That would be amazing. <laughs> but, I mean, there's just... I. I can't, if he played at that level consistently, we would be talking about him and Aaron Rodgers in the same sentence. We really would. And I just don't think, I've said before, I like Alex Smith, but I don't think he has that in him. I just don't know where he, I just don't know what happened to him over halftime. But I mean, from a football perspective, I can say one thing that changed is that the pass protection in the first half was truly, truly horrific. I mean, it was bad, and it tightened up a lot in the second half. And as that tightened up, and Smith just raised his level of play a couple notches, and it all just came together. You know, and that's exactly where I was going to go to, because I went through and watched every snap for the guards today, and I don't know where it happened, who got chewed out at halftime, but something clicked, didn't it? Because their play in the second half was dramatically different. I, I agree. Um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of what you'd have expected. You know, LDT, I think, was better than Anger was in the first half. Um, but Anger pulled it together a bit in the second half, although he still, oh, we can talk about that in a bit. I'm still very concerned about him. But the play was dramatically better for both of them. And I, like you said, I don't know if someone got chewed out or something, but they, they handled stunts and twists and blitzes significantly better in the second half than they were handling it in the first half. Football season is back and week one was a blockbuster. There's no better way to get into the action like you saw in week one than going through the pros at mybookie.net. It's the most exciting online experience for any sports fan, especially an NFL fan. My bookie features real Vegas odds and incredible player props on every football game. If the game's already kicked off, my bookie has live in games and odds updated in real time, so it's never too late to make a play. It's optimized for smartphone users for nonstop action on the go. And that's really the thing. Use your phone when you're out. Go online if you want to. Type in my bookie into your browser and sign up today. You can use our promo code. 
it's Chiefs. Simplest code ever out there. And you'll get entered into their million-dollar prize pool. Go out and join the thousands of players that are already online playing. Only the biggest, only the best, and it's only at my bookie. Go sign up today. Well, and one of the things that really was a stu- such a stark differential to me watching the game live was they go on, they go down on offense and they have that good first drive. Yes, it stalled, but they looked like they were going to be doing very well on offense. And then it just all shifted as soon as San Diego went down and scored a touchdown. Yeah, it was strange. You know, football is a game of momentum. It one thing that stood out to me as I as I watched Smith snaps is that the offense actually didn't look quite as pathetic in a rewatch as it felt live. It just a couple things here and there kept going wrong. And it was only, you know, it was on three or four drives in a row, and so obviously when you're watching live it feels like forever. But they actually the offense had quite a few more good snaps than bad snaps. Um, you know, when you throw in the second half, obviously. But it, it, it's just curious how for roughly oh, almost two quarters, they couldn't move the ball at all, and then they just went to moving the ball at will. It was genuinely bizarre. Now, there's plenty of things to be excited about. Obviously, Alex and his Leonidas impression at the end of the game was beautiful. Uh, you got to love what Spencer Ware did. But the guy that I'm really excited about, only because I've been looking for a little bit of spark on him for a long time. And I want your take on Chris Conley. I, I'm pretty excited about him too. It's, I try to be cautious with player development stuff because you just never know. But there, there were a couple things I saw from him. Uh, the, the trend he started in the preseason being a guy who attacks the ball with his hands and demonstrating strong hands that continued the sharper route running continued attacking the ball in the air also continued and just as importantly, and this is unlimited targets here, and so it'll be interesting to see what how that goes moving forward. I actually I, I tweeted something out a couple hours ago, uh, a, a picture of the coverage on Conley as Smith was releasing on on about a, a twelve yard uh, comeback route, and Smith was releasing before Conley came out of his break and well before he was open, and you saw a few throws like that to Conley from Smith. Where, you know, announcers always talk about trust, and to the point that it almost sounds like a cliche. But the, the idea of a quarterback trusting a wide receiver, that's, you know, he'll throw it to him when he's coming out of his break. He'll throw it to him when he's covered. He'll throw it to him, you know, just expecting him to win. And that's what I see Smith doing. And that more than anything Conley says, anything Jeremy Macklin says, anything Andy Reid says, that makes me feel really excited about his future. The fact that Alex, multiple times in a you know, a game that they were in comeback mode the whole time, trusted Conley to win his individual matchups. So I think he could have something big going forward here. Now, when you look at what Kansas City did and what they were able to do on offense, you look at certain tendencies that they've had in the past, and they had another situation where they were running the ball, starting to run the ball at will, pretty much between the tackles. And then they do a little outside pitch to Charkandrick West that goes nowhere. And you're sitting there going, what are you doing? Yep. <laughs> it's the same old Andy Reid. Why? That's No, that, that was really frustrating. Another thing that changed in the second half, you saw, at least as far as like on a percentage basis, 
a lot fewer uh, cutesy type plays, like you said, those quick pitches outside or those quick end arounds or, you know, the fake to the fake to the handoff then or that kind of stuff, you know, with the predetermined reads or the, you, you saw less of that and the offense just started rolling. And like you said, early on, they were just handing the ball up to Ware a little bit and Ware is an incredibly talented running back. And he, the offensive line run blocks very well. Um, Anger, for as much crap as I've given him, as much crap as he's getting from the fan base, he looks better run blocking than pass blocking. He knows his assignments well. And I just can't for the life of me figure out why Andy Reid, with, even with Charles out, he's got a pair of running backs that can get the job done, especially where. Why he won't just commit to running the ball is... Something that really frightens me, especially when Charles comes back, because I'm very afraid that we're going to have a two-headed monster at running back like no one else in the league has, and they're only going to get, you know, 10 touches a game because Reed won't be willing to expand the role of his running backs. Yeah, well, and that's got me concerned as well, and I tracked it all last season to see what the percentage is of what his tendencies are, and you're absolutely right. This was a specific scenario where they were down so far that you can justify throwing the ball 48 times. But especially if you have where and Charles back, man, it's got to be a bigger chunk of your offense and you have to run more than pass. In my opinion, when they get back. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. Um, now to be fair, if Smith keeps playing like he did in the second half, they can do whatever the crap they want. And it's going to work. <laughs> I mean, that, that is, that is the God's truth. If, if Alex Smith, plays at that level for the rest of the season, it won't matter what Andy Reid does. It really won't. I mean, barring him telling him to go out there and take a knee. I mean, they were they I mean, when you pair that level of quarterback play with the weapons that the Chiefs have, their offense will be ridiculous. Um well, but yeah, they, they it is concerning the idea that, you know, what if Charles comes back and instead of expanding the role and saying, well, we need to make sure our running back gets 10 to 15 more touches a game because we can't cut down on Ware's touches, and we need to find more touches because Charles needs the ball. What if instead they get a combined 15 touches a game? That's going to drive people crazy. Well, and I think the one thing that really works in their favor for that is Reed was almost the exact opposite last year when Charles was in the game. It's everything went through Charles. Right. So... I understand where the concern comes from, and I and I completely agree with both of you. There is concern there for me on that. But the nice thing about it is, is I think that Reed has shown that he will use Charles. Right. So I think that they will be okay going forward in that regard. You said something about weapons, and I want to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at offensive pass-catching weapons at this point, and you got to figure Jeremy Macklin's number one, Travis Kelsey's number two, Chris Conley's probably number three, Spencer Ware's number four, probably. I would, I would say Spencer Ware's number three, based on okay. based on usage, no, and I'm okay with usage, that. Based on usage rate, or are you saying how I think Reed will use them, or how I think they should be used? Well, I think I think what we saw in the first game is I think Spencer Ware was number one, uh, but I think that was also what the defense was giving. Or sorry, number three. I think right. that's what the defense was giving them. Right. I guess where I'm going with this is. Are you okay? So three or four really doesn't matter if Spencer Ware and Conley. I mean, okay, so they're three and four. I would almost make an argument that Demetrius Harris is number five. I could see that. 
Um, you know, he's, you know, I mean, he's sorry. not, he's not he, great, but no, he, he's, he's not great, but he's got some functional speed. He's, he's got some strength after the catch. That's impressed me as of late. He, he showed that late in the game. He's got the ability to take a short pass and kind of fight his way for that extra four or five yards with strength. He's clearly a strong guy. Um, but yeah, I, I would put him there as well. The only time I really saw. Albert Wilson getting targeted was outside of one play where he had a drop. Now, granted, it was a tough, tough catch to make, but he did drop it. Um, was mostly, you know, those little kind of cutesy type plays. Like they were utilizing Wilson as an offensive weapon instead of a wide receiver. So I wouldn't argue with you too much about uh, Harris almost seeming above Wilson in the pecking order, at least in that game. Well, and I'm not so sure that Hill wouldn't be above Wilson. You know, Hill is frighteningly fast. It's 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 startling to watch. Now I'm not ready to write off Wilson just yet. I know you know he's got a lot of people that are pretty down on him. I think he's got a useful skill set. Um, I, I'm curious if he's the kind of guy that struggles when he doesn't feel like he's kind of getting his. You see more body language stuff from him than you do from other wide receivers, which I, I hate saying stuff like that because we don't know what's going through their head. But you see more visible frustration from him than any other Chiefs uh, receiver, you know, including the tight ends, when he doesn't get the ball thrown his way and you can tell when he thinks he was open and he should have gotten the ball. And I'm just curious if that's affecting him and if that might be affecting how the coaches view him. You've reached the high fashion hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10-2 to 10-10, select styles only. Look at the defense, the three guys on each level that I want to talk about. And, you know, it's been beat like a dead horse, but I think the redemption within a single game half to half on the defensive side has to really go to D4, doesn't it? Um, You know, Ford, I couldn't really, I, I didn't notice him playing particularly horribly to start the game. But, I mean, he, obviously the, the way he came through very late, in the game, you know, the, the story of redemption would be his because just because he's the one that's been under the most fire and he made arguably the most clutch defensive play of the day that essentially assured overtime. And so, I mean, Ford, Ford hopefully silenced some people. He looked like he was sealing the edge. All right. Especially in the second half. And so I think, I think they can get by with him. Now, what about Justin March? Cause I watched a lot of his tape too. That was pretty rough. Yeah. You know, it reminded me, it was eerily reminiscent of his very first starting game in preseason. Now, here's what's interesting to me, because that was against St. Louis, if I'm remembering correctly. Against St. Louis in preseason, March got, you know, he got his first start, right? So this is kind of a theory I'm working on with March. He got his first start versus St. Louis, you know, his first preseason start or his first his first starting action period. And he was bad. I mean, he kept hitting the wrong gap. He was getting overpowered. He just, it was bad. And then he came back against an admittedly poor Bears team. 
and played a really solid game. He didn't make any of the same mistakes. He was hitting the correct gap. He wasn't just trying to overpower offensive linemen. He was actually, you know, functionally combating them a little bit rather than just pushing. You know, he was actually, you know, moving. (laughs) And so what I'm curious about, and we'll see this next week because I assume he's not going to get yanked. I'm assuming he's going to be the starter again. I'm curious if we see the same thing happen here. Because my theory on March is that he's a guy that gets himself pretty amped up. And I think we might have seen a case of, you know, sure, he, he'd had starts before. But that's preseason. This is it. You know, his first time he's at Arrowhead. I'm curious if he didn't get those same kind of jitters that he got against St. Louis. Because he was making really similar kinds of mistakes. And yeah, so, he looked to me like an athlete that just didn't know where to be yet. Right. Which is, which is odd because we know he knows how to play football. We've seen it. We've seen him hit the right gaps. We've seen him do the things he's supposed to do. We've seen him do it with the second and third team. And we've seen him do it with the first team in preseason. And the, the two times we've seen him perform exactly like this now, exactly identical, one happens to be the first time he ever gets an NFL start. The second time happens to be the first time he gets an NFL start in the regular season, real NFL action. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that you're going to see a much better version of Justin March next week. And I think if you do, it's going to help the defense overall because there's at least one play that I remember on the goal line that DJ was having to help him get aligned and ended up pursuing the wrong hole, over-pursuing and letting a cutback happen, I think was on one of the scoring plays. So that effect in setting up the defense to be prepared for that particular play, I think if, if March can settle down, I think it helps the entire unit. Absolutely, particularly the run defense, which, as we were all afraid of, looked pretty rough. Although, to be fair, Gordon looked better than people expected. He was being he was running patiently. He was running well. And Danny Woodhead always plays well. I, I, I hate that guy. He always plays well against the Chiefs. He, he's a slippery little guy. And so it'll be interesting to see how they do against the, the Texans this week. But, yeah, the run defense as a whole is something that I can see why people would be concerned. Well, and San Diego's line looked pretty good from what I saw, uh, at least in the first half. Now, let's shift a little bit and start talking about Houston. Uh, You want to make any comments about uh, your boy Jeff Allen in in a Houston uniform and seeing him down there this week? It just makes my heart sad. But, but, you know, it's tough because you you look at uh, where is the worst spot on the Chiefs offense right now? Left guard. What position does Jeff play? Left guard. What position did he play awesome in week one? Left guard. And it just makes you think what could have been. It really does. Now, I think Parker's going to work out. I think he's got some tools. But for right now, basically, I I have a sad over that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so what do you think happens on Sunday against Houston? Who do you think comes out on top and... Do you think we'll see the Chiefs of the first half or the Chiefs of the second half? You know, two, two. This is the this is the second time we've seen the Chiefs look dreadfully underprepared to start the season. You know, last time was against the Titans, and you know, I, I think they'll bounce back pretty well. I think we're going to see something a lot more similar to what we saw in the second half. Here, here's here's the thing I'm curious about. With regards to the Texans, people are talking about, you know, 
they look good, they look way better than the Chargers. Well, for one thing, we don't know how good or bad the Chargers are because it's week one. We don't know. And they, they could well end up being a decent football team. We just don't know. Enough changes year to year. The second thing is people need to remember the Texans were playing the Bears. That was the starting unit that the Chiefs shellacked. I mean, just completely dominated. I mean, that third preseason game, it was embarrassing. And so I'm not quite sure I'm buying into the Houston hype just yet. I, I feel like every time we've played Houston over the last couple of years... Every time we've gone into it, including the playoff game, everyone's like, well, you know, that Houston, they're pretty dangerous. They got that defense and, and the, the, the weapons they got on offense. And then the Chiefs always win. And so I guess to me, we'll see what happens. But in, until Houston shows they can actually beat the Chiefs, I guess I'm not going to sweat them too awful much. All right, so pick one. Is it the Chiefs or the Texans winning? I think the Chiefs win. I, I, think, that, I think that the Texans got to play a really genuinely bad team in week one. And I think that that's going to lead to, there might be a little bit of overconfidence in that offense of theirs. And whereas the Chiefs now, after what happened in the first half, they keep, they'll never take anything for granted again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, they went into that game against San Diego with a lot of confidence. San Diego looked a lot better than people expected. Um, they, they were healthy, which of course is already starting to change because it's San Diego. But I think I think the Chiefs win. I think the defense is a little bit better, and I, I think the and then I think the offense more closely resembles what we saw in the second half there. Seth, thank you much. Thank you so much for joining us. He is Seth Kaiser. Uh, he you can find him on Arrowhead Pride, and you can find him on Twitter at RealMNChiefsFan. Seth, thank you again for coming on. Thanks for having me again, fellas. We'll talk to you later, buddy. Bye. That's it for us today as we get closer to the Chiefs going down to Houston to take on the Texans. Thanks for listening. Check back with us. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review and reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time. arrived at JCPenney, the perfect time to refresh your home. From now until Sunday, get up to 50% off select comforter sets, furniture, and the most comfortable mattresses from top brands like Tempur-Pedic, Sealy, Beautyrest, and more. And save 50 to 60% on select sheet sets, plus an extra 15% with your coupon on select home items. Hurry and soon. That's getting your pennies worth. JCPenney. Coupon valid 928-109 on select home items, furniture, and mattresses. Prices valid 928-101. Selections vary by store while supplies last. Saving on regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may have been taken. Some exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details.